to the B Fox and B Frank show. I don't know what to call it. Maybe uh, some would say parody, but teams in the top 25 just can't get enough of losing for the most part. They love to lose. There was quite yes. a bit of shakeup this week um, with some notable exceptions that we will get into, but I feel worth mentioning at the top. I do have more losers than winners. We are, we are back to the old me. Um, so it's, it's refreshing um, in this new year, new me culture that I am taking the opposite approach. But we'll start with the positives. Uh, there are still quite a few winners. Um, I'd like to start this week uh, while we can with the Clemson Tigers. Uh, I, I would be remiss if I did not point out that there is a fortuitous break in the ACC schedule for them. I believe they only played Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia once, but they have not lost yet. They just knocked off Duke. They are alone at 7-0 and in the conference. Um, PJ Hall really impressed me in that game specifically, outplaying Duke's very talented front line um, and – We've talked about it before, but every time we're in a preseason, just kind of talking about it's like, hey, is this the year that, uh, you know, Brad Brunel is going to get fired? He turns out something like this, like, find me a better coach on the hot seat and I will disagree with you strongly uh, because no, nobody does it better. This is a team that I don't think anyone expected much of in the preseason, but I mean, they've, they've just been winning in conference. Yeah, he is, he is what Coach O used to be to uh, interim coaching. They yeah. thrive in that scenario. But they, once once things start to get comfortable, once things start to get a little easier, that's when the bottom falls out typically. But, yeah, they, I mean, the games aren't pretty for the most part. They've got a couple tight wins um, against some teams that, that maybe they should have handled a little better. Can't argue with the win over Duke, though. Talent-wise, obviously Duke is is far and away better than Clemson, but it's it's clear that whatever is going on uh, in Durham is, is not working at this point. They are thirteen and five. We might talk about them later. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, PJ Hall was great in this game. Shiflin offered them really good minutes at the forward position as well. Six points, eight rebounds, six assists, which is just outrageous from from a forward to get in the college game and then Brevin Galloway who's been in college for seemingly ever I think I look back at his stats page and it goes back to 2017 uh so you know he's been around the block a time or two uh he had 17 points and looked very poised in the backcourt for Clemson like they consistently play a decent brand of basketball I won't say a fun brand or a, a you know the most entertaining, but when you compare them to some of their ACC brethren, it's not the worst thing. I'm looking at you, Virginia, but it's, it's certainly not the worst thing in the world. Uh, they do play at a decent tempo offensively. They're much better than they are on the defensive end. Typically they're, they're a little more defense focused, but yeah, this is, this is a good team that Brad Murnell has put together. I'm, I'm not going to go as far to say is they're a second weekend, but they are, they're a team I'd think twice if I see in a 7-10 game or a 6-11. I'm like, mm, you know what? They could make a run. They could. Yeah. I mean, only three losses on the year, albeit one was to South Carolina very early. One was by 18 to one of the worst Loyola teams we've seen in a while. But, again, yeah. undefeated in conference play and a little bit of a rarity in college basketball these days in terms of roster construction. There's just a lot of 
continuity, cohesion. You mentioned Brevin Galloway. He came over from Boston College. Everyone else in the rotation has already played at Clemson. They're not really reliant on any freshmen. Um, you know, Hunter, Tyson, Hall, um, all these guys have produced for Clemson in the past. And, you know, we are seeing the transfer portal is good, but all of those teams that are that are kind of building rosters on the fly and offseason, it can take a bit to come together. And sometimes it never really fully meshes. Um, so mm-hmm. Brad Burnell, pretty confident in his group. Added a little backcourt help in Galloway. It's like this is my team. I'm rolling with it, and it's hard to hard to argue with the early returns in in ACC play. And again, with with the way the the unbalanced schedule worked out, they've already beaten Duke. Um, you know, not the best Duke team, but still relative to the rest of the conference, one of the most talented. You know, this is uh, it's a Clemson team that should stay near the top of the standings uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it really, it really shook out well for them. They could, they could not have asked for better. Who is your big winner of the week? I'm going to stick in the Big East. I'm going to go with Xavier. I guess not stick in the Big East. For me, it's sticking in the but Big East. Stay Xavier. Home, yeah, yeah, seven and zero. Oh, uh, big win over Marquette at the weekend. Really high scoring. Really fun game against Creighton midweek. Ninety eighty seven win. They can score a ton of points. They have a number of guys who can beat you. You were talking about continuity. That certainly is key with some of their their key returners in, in terms of Fremantle, Nunji, Colby Jones. But getting those transfer pieces to fit like a Suli boom has been a game changer for Sean Miller. And now Xavier's inside the top 10. They're in the driver's seat in the Big East, a conference that is very winnable. And this was, you know, credit to the Big East coaches. I don't think, uh, you know, enough people say this, but this is a team that was picked second in the league. Um, and, and it was a surprise to some, and clearly they all saw what's going on here. It's, you know, they've got a number of guys that can beat you on any given night that all five scorers scored double figures and Jerome Hunter added 11 off the bench against Marquette. Like it's very difficult in college basketball to be able to guard a five headed beast like that. And that's, that's one of the teams that is really shown at the right time. Took a couple early season losses. Um, but Suli boom at this point might be you can make the argument highest impact transfer in America. Uh, he has been that good for them. And, you know, they are even outperforming those kind of high expectations. They're, they're, they've played in some classic Big East games. I mean, Marquette lost and moved up five spots in the AP poll. So that kind of speaks to the quality of basketball that was on display there. Uh, I mean, six nationally and three point percentage. Uh, they're really, really shooting the ball well. And again, just some of the, some of the concerns I think I had at least in the preseason were on the defensive side of the ball. They're not great by any stretch of the imagination, but so far their offense has been so elite. Um, it, it has masked any of those potential problems. Um, they, they can, they can beat you from anyone on the floor. There's really no one that you can kind of cheat off of or relax on defensively. Yeah. And that's definitely the concern. Like that is their one red flag. It's that defensively, they are not the most sound team. If the offense dries up, what are we looking at? I don't know yet. I don't think we've seen it. Um, Maybe we, maybe you could say we saw it early in the season with a couple of those losses, but that was a different team than it is at this point. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think the, the Duke loss is probably the one where, you know, is maybe not their best offensive performance. I didn't think 
I thought the offense was their better piece against Indiana, certainly. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think they benefit a lot by just being so balanced. Like, obviously, great outside shooting team, but you have that interior presence. Nunji, who can step outside and hit jumpers as well. Fremantle, Hunter off the bench. So it's not really a live and die by the three sort of team. Um, they're, They're able to, you know something's not working, can pound the rock inside and, and try to create offense that way. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's definitely more sustainable than, you know, so, some other good offensive teams out there. Absolutely. Uh, I would throw uh, Texas in there as a winner. Um, eight and one since Chris Beard was suspended and then later dismissed. Um Couple big comeback wins this week. Uh, one over TCU, the other over Texas Tech, which might not stand out as much, but uh, that was the season debut of uh, Fardaz Amak, uh, who is one of the the biggest transfers the offseason. They're able to withstand his strong debut, and I, I mean, I'm I'm really impressed with how this team has has kind of grown since last year. I think they were one of the most hyped teams in college basketball last year didn't really live up to expectations. Now they're playing with a lot more poise. Rodney Terry is, has done a good job in difficult situation. And uh, I, I think they have one of the best bench players in America in Serge Jabari Rice, uh, 18 against Texas Tech, 15 against TCU. Um, and Moody is a very difficult place to play in a conference that has admittedly a ton of them. Uh, yeah. Like, Hilton Magic, Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, I mean, Moody is Brand right up there. Be with tough too when yeah. K State's rolling. Oh yeah, uh, Moody is right up there though with with places you do not want to play. Um, so there, there's definitely some pride to be taken in that. But yeah, this is a this is a team that it would not have surprised me with. You know, some of the the off the court stuff with Chris Beard going on if that was a distraction, but. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting production from all their the guys that they need to, and and honestly, like Dylan Mitchell has been a solid contributor, but I think they were expecting him to have even more of a role on this team um, than what he's done so far. So the fact that they're so successful at this point in the season without him really reaching his full potential, I think is is pretty important too. Yeah, and, and they're not a great three-point shooting team, which I think needs to be called out because some games they can fall in love with it, and maybe they did against a, uh, excuse me, Texas Tech, 28 threes. They still found a way to win the game. They play great defense. Their defensive numbers have taken a hit, probably from giving up 116 points to Kansas State, but yeah. that's an anomaly at this point. That is completely out of the norm for this Texas team. So uh, they're, they're, they are looking as good as possible under the circumstances, I think, and probably even better than that. And, you know, it's a, it's a credit to that team and, and Rodney Terry for keeping it going. Yeah, that was the one game that, you know, they haven't looked great in this stretch. But, yeah, every, every other game they've been rock solid. Um, we, we've already talked about them, but just quick shout out. Florida Atlantic finally popping yeah. up 25, 15 wins in a row. Most recently knocked off North Texas, who – by all accounts, looks like that would be the uh, the biggest challenger to the Owls um, in the in Conference USA. Um, so just continuing to win, and uh, you know, 
obviously well liked by the net. They're moving further and further up uh, a couple of spots out of Michigan state on Ken Palm uh, coming into today. So the owls are still rolling, still looking like a, a team nobody wants to see in the first round in March. That's for sure. Their offense looks really good. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think they're the second best team in terms of Ken Palm and they are three spots behind Miami at 41. So they could absolutely overtake the hurricanes and move into the top spot for the state of Florida. That would be a hang the banner. It's a hang, hang the damn banner. Big potential honor. Um, I've got one more, but I'll, I'll defer to you. You got uh, any other winners? Yeah, I have one more that I want to slightly discuss. And then, uh, one more honor, one honorable mention, but UCLA, the Bruins have won 13 straight games. And I would say pretty quietly, I, I oh, feel yeah. like they are not getting enough attention at this point for, for how good of a, a roster they have and how good of a team they have been in recent memory. They took those back-to-back losses to Illinois and Baylor and have not lost since they look very good on the defensive side of the ball. <laughs> These are the point totals for their opponents uh, in Basically, in Pac-12 play, 66-56. They held Maryland to 60, Kentucky to 53, Washington State to 66, 49-58-49-54. I mean, this is a Mick Cronin team. They're getting it done on that end of the floor, and it is helping their offense, which is also running very efficiently with a couple of guys that know how to score. So uh, UCLA is a very dangerous team. I think they should be able to to hang and, and run well the rest of the way in the Pac-12 schedule. I would, if, if I had to say it right now, I'd say they can easily sneak in, be a one seed, not sneak in, but easily be a one seed, maybe even the top seed in the entire country. Yeah, I, I mean, one of their last eight opponents has scored more than 60 points. Um, so it's, it's Mick Cronin basketball through and through. And yeah, the, the Pac-12 is in a bit of disarray. It's like, I think Arizona was assumed to have a stranglehold on one of those one seeds. Um, but here's UCLA, who I think if you polled a lot of people nationally, wouldn't know that they're a top five team. Yeah, uh, they, they've, you, you're absolutely right. They've, they've been winning very quietly, had a couple close calls. But uh, last few times out, I mean, they, they pummeled Utah, who was one of the, the yeah. best surprises of – uh, the early Pac-12 season, and yeah, I mean the the biggest challenger right now, Arizona State, just one game back. I would be much more confident in UCLA um, if it came down to it. But yeah, this is this is a team that at this point has has established itself as the class of the Pac-12. Um, you know, kind of a a rocky start to the Mick Cronin era, but the last couple of years have been very very solid, consistently near the top of the league, um, and. It remains to be seen if Arizona can get back to early form. We've kind of talked about some of those problems, but Mm -hmm. uh, UCLA just so fundamentally sound have a couple of consistent scoring options and the defense to back it all up. Um, So yeah, this is a top five for a reason, I would say. For sure. For sure. Um, And then the last team that I was going to quickly mention is that one of our one of our favorites, St. Mary's, sitting at that five was and my, That was my last one. There it one. is. There it is. Uh, they've won seven in a row. They're five and zero oh in uh, West Coast Conference play. They they just look the part of a Sweet Sixteen team. I don't know what it is. They they just play so well. They look so 
cohesive as a team. They're top 10 in Ken Palm right now. Uh, they've got the sixth best defense offensively. Uh, they're in the top 50. And, and uh, well, besides the fact that they run a slow tempo, they're also 300 second in terms of luck. So it means really they should be hitting more shots than they are. Uh, and, and that offensive efficiency number should probably be, probably be in the top 30, 25, maybe. So shout out to the Gales. Yeah, I, I wrote down, like, we've been focusing a lot, we uh, as a nation, on, you know, some of the repeated close calls of Gonzaga and West Coast Conference play. St. Mary's just out here quietly steamrolling teams. Like, they just won by 17 at San Francisco. Not an easy feat. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And, and yeah, it's like they have a defense that's going to keep them in every game and they're going to limit the number of possessions, which in conference plays just slowly suffocating teams. They had one close call against Santa Clara, but other than that, it's been pretty comfortable. And this is a team I would be very worried about if I was Gonzaga. Um, but either way, they are they are at large good and, as you said, capable of of making a run. And not as reliant on the Aussies as you know yeah. in, in most years, but they they do have a couple in the in the rotation. Alex Dukas and uh, and Kyle Bowen making making big uh, contributions. So there there is a little bit of that tradition still alive. But either way, yeah, this is this is another team that if you have to see them first weekend of the tournament, especially a potential second round game where it's quick turnaround, very little time to prepare, um, mm-hmm. you know. Coach is going to be pulling their hair out. Yeah. All right. It's good alignment there. Get some uh, some WCC love. But uh, like I said, there are a lot of losses amongst uh, ranked teams last week. So we appropriately have a lot of losers. I'd like to start with uh, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. The, the Hogs, the vibes are bad. The only team with the worst record in the SEC is Ole Miss. Um, and you might say, oh, Brian, that's the only team that's beaten Florida Atlantic this year, so how bad can they be? The answer is still very bad. That was the second game of the year. Much has changed since then. Uh, Arkansas, I understand they are missing some pieces. Nick Smith, Trevon Brazil, big losses, but this was a roster we looked at in the preseason. It's like, there is too much talent here. I don't understand how Musselman is going to find all of these guys' minutes. So you have capable guys in the wings, um, but then I, I see it in action, and we're out here giving up 97 points to Jerry Stackhouse's Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I mean, first of all, I don't understand how it's still a ranked team, but they are. Uh, different discussion. Um, but, yeah, this is, uh, this is an Arkansas team that, you know, didn't have – the best Maui tournament, um, but I still think you can come out of it being like, this is a very, very good team. Breaks didn't go our way um, against Creighton, but, you know, no reason to hang your head or anything. And then since then, it's been been pretty rough, especially in, in SEC play, just the one win so far. And guys are going to have to adapt to to new roles. And I mean, it, it's not like these injuries are new, but you know, it, it seems like things, especially defensively are, are just getting worse. Yeah. The second half's have been a problem. They've played decently well and you know, they've lost four of their last five. They played pretty well in most of those first halves. 
Uh, LSU, obviously, they got held to 19 points. Not great. Um, and then against Auburn, they were down 11 at the break. But they were tied with Alabama. Gave up 51 in the second half. They were beating Vanderbilt by eight and gave up 63 in the second half to the Commodores, which just should never happen. I watched this Vanderbilt team play against Grambling, a game they lost at home. They they are not very good. Um, and and that is just calling it how you see it. But yeah. this is, you know, like we said, Arkansas is too talented to have this. I think Musselman is too good a coach for this to be going on right now. And the benefit is the name. The benefit is the thought preseason. That's that's what they are holding on to at this point because right now they're in the thick of the SEC. They are heading to Missouri, who is their only SEC win, and the Tigers are also stumbling at this point. But Missouri is not an easy place to play. The Tigers have a good team. Uh, and then after that, the schedule gets a little softer. But, man, they they need a win in the worst of ways. Especially too, since you know the the off court stuff could become larger distractions. Because the more your team yeah. flounders, the more people are going to speculate: Is Musselman truly dialed in? Is he looking towards Austin to to potentially move to Texas? Um, he he's someone like Cal, where anytime his current team underperforms, those are the those are the reactions people are going to have because they right. know when he when he's dialed in. Arkansas is a very dangerous team. They haven't really looked the part recently. Coincidence, possibly, um, but also possibly not. So that's that's what allows speculation to run amok. I did also have Missouri as a loser um, because, Same. you know, it's it's one of the things we talk about football season. Once you overachieve where people thought you would be, expectations get significantly higher and then when you play kind of at the level people might have thought in the preseason now it's a bad look that's where we find ourselves now um especially since a lot of the praise that we had heaped on missouri was surrounding their their offensive output two back-to-back losses to non-tournament teams i will say generously a&m and florida they shot 22 percent from three and 16 percent from three in those two games uh not winning basketball um, offensively, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a matchup of truly desperate teams when Arkansas and Missouri face off. Yeah. And they've been awful on the road in sec play 68, 64 and 64 points have been their output so far in road games. All three are losses, Arkansas, A&M and Florida, as you mentioned, got to get right. Because the schedule is not very easy. They have Arkansas, Alabama. Then you have a, a road game at Ole Miss, which is maybe a little let up. And then you've got Iowa State in the uh, just lovely SEC Big 12 crossover. Yeah, I, I think really right now the only team that you could relax on a little bit uh, would be Ole Miss. I would typically think South Carolina, but Kentucky would disagree. I would throw Vanderbilt out there, but Arkansas would disagree. Um, it's, it's a brutal conference, but it's kind of one of those things where you could, you know, I don't think really either Arkansas or Missouri could do this, but it's possible for a team to get in a stretch, like, all right, we're playing Alabama, we're playing Tennessee, we're playing Kentucky. Um, you know, you, you lose all of those games like, Oh, woe is me. But 
all right, that if, if that's how it's going to be, then we're not going to take you seriously as a contender. It's like at a certain point you have to, you know, pick up some of these wins to turn the conversation around and, and bolt yourself up. Auburn would be a perfect example of that. Um, they have turned the season around a little bit um, and, and just been winning games. They're back in the top 20 comfortably. Um, but for a team like Arkansas, for a team like Missouri, you've got to take advantage of of the opportunities you have certainly against again non-tournament teams those are those are the ones you should be handling and then you know gear up for the the heavyweight clashes but neither team is doing that right now no and uh as we know the sec gauntlet is not the easiest no weird times weird times in college basketball uh who who's another loser for you i've got a pair in the big east i'm gonna give yukon a lovely shout out. They've lost four of their last five. Uh, three of them are against three of the top teams in the conference, Xavier, Providence, and Marquette. And then they got steamed on uh, Sunday against St. John's, who's a team that I have said I would put up there in an all-time bad vibes team. But they just played directly into the Johnny's hands. You know, 19 and 13 to Soriano, who has been awesome this year. Uh, and outside of Jordan Hawkins, no one really showed up at the in this game for uh, for UConn. You can say, you know, Sonogo had a double-double, but it's minimal at that point. Caravan had 16 as well. Like, we're not – you're not doing anything. And there's a lot of uh, chatter on Big East Twitter, UConn's Twitter, talking about, you know, poor officiating, this, that, the other. It's like, okay, yes, it's college basketball. Officials are not good just to begin with. Um, so I did a little bit of a deep dive. You can check out the thread on my uh, Twitter account. The Huskies are averaging 20 fouls per game. They are uh, just getting hammered by the whistle. And th- th- there's two things. You can say either it's poor officiating all around. I find that hard to believe eight games into the season. They are just consistently getting the bad end of the whistle. It's telling me you're playing physical basketball, which is fine. But you have to play it within the rules of the game. Like that. That's that's the whole point. Um, and I, I would also lean towards the latter because of the fact of who their coach is, and that's Danny Hurley. He likes to play a physical, tough, hard-nosed, biggie style of basketball, and that's what his team is taking after. But now they need to rein it in a bit, figure out that happy medium, because offensively they're struggling, and they need to get it back on the defensive end. They've given up 80 points in three of the, 80 plus points in three of their last four losses. Yeah, I mean. We talked about it before, like UConn not getting fouled enough or however you want to put it, it's yeah. relative to style of play. And if you're a physical defensive team, in most leagues, you get called for, for more fouls accordingly. Um, and then if you settle for a lot of threes offensively, you know, your opponent is just not going to get whistled for as many fouls. And the St. John's loss, like, I, I would like to – like St. John's, I, I think it's fun when you play fast. Um, they just constructed a roster that can't really shoot, uh, so that makes them um, them hard to love. But I don't, I don't really understand the uh, complaints about the officiating in that game specifically. When you had basically no shows from Jackson Newton and Klingon, three of your uh, most important guys in the rotation. Um, so, like. You have other good players, but they they can't. You can't just be carried by um, each of them. So that that I didn't really understand because that was just 
shocking um, how just guys who normally play very well, who UConn needs to play well, just just all decided to no show simultaneously. But um, yeah, the it's it's a very different looking UConn team uh, these past couple weeks because they they really did come out of the gate this season looking untouchable, looking clearly the best team in in college yeah. basketball. Started falling in love with the three a little too much, and now just you know having having some some other issues defensively as well. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think they, they need to get back to basics. Hopefully they can wait another game or two. Um, Seton Hall plays them on Wednesday, so I would love to, to snag a win in that one. But, yeah, it's it's one of those situations where they just need to find what was working before. All right, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna throw Tennessee on there as much mm-hmm. as it pains me. Uh, this, is, this is the concern. It's like Tennessee is such a good defensive team, but there are points where the offense goes through dry spells, leaves a lot to be desired, and you cannot do that at home against the corpse of Kentucky's program, as happened Saturday. Started out of the gate, up 8-0. You're like, all right, this is going to be a laugher, you know, Kentucky does not have even close to its full uh, complement of key players. So, you know, this this will be a walk in the park. The guards were very disappointing. And that's the strength of this team offensively. But, like, as a, as a team, three for 21 from three, that's not good for, you know, most people. But, you know... With all due respect to, to Tyree Key, I would consider the big three on the perimeter to be Viscovi, James, and Ziegler, who combined to go nine for thirty-four. It's like, yeah, it's 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 great that you know Plavsic had a great game. That's not his role. That's like if if he is your leading scorer, something usually went wrong. Um, like that, this is a team that's driven by by guards and defense, which is a recipe for success in March. Um, but we keep seeing disappointing exit after disappointing exits. Um, and I, I will keep buying in, but this, this is the downside of that. This is, you know, yeah. they did not play a poor game defensively. They just completely laid an egg on offense. And that's, that's the risk you, you run with a team like this, like out of all the top 10 teams on Ken Palm, this is the largest gap between defensive and offensive efficiency rankings. So that's, yeah, that's what, that's what well can earned. let you down. It's well-earned at this point. Like it, we've seen this story too many times. We feel excited about a Tennessee team. They're great defensively. And then the offense just dries up one too many times and they get bit. And maybe it's the opening weekend of the tournament. Maybe it's, it's the second round, whatever it is. But in this game, Kentucky made 18 field goals and still won by seven. Like that, should not and cannot happen. Yeah, that's said. Cannot stress enough too how dead Kentucky was and into this game. Uh, just a, a home loss to South Carolina, um, and then go and win on the road at Tennessee makes no yeah. sense, and it's it definitely reflects poorly on Rick Barnes and the Vols. Who else do you have in the the loser camp? I'm going to throw Villanova in there. They have really struggled in the Big East. They are 9-10. and 10. They are sitting near the bottom of the Big East standings at this point, and they lost to DePaul for the first time in 22 games. 
which is which was the one of the longest active winning streaks over a team in conference play. They did today before we recorded get a tight win over Georgetown. They did not look good in that. I should have lost that. Yeah. So I mean, they're really really struggling, and the schedule does not get easier. They've got St. John's, Providence, Marquette, Creighton uh, over the next couple weeks. They they need some sort of production out of their big three of Whitmore, Daniels, and Dixon. Otherwise, this team is incredibly easy to beat because they're not great defensively, and the offense, the ball just kind of sticks a little too much. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing for me. They've been really sloppy defensively, um, and – yeah, like they, I, I watched that whole game today because uh, I just needed a distraction from work as much as possible. And mm-hmm. that just they did not look good. That was a home game, too, against a team that has not won in the Big East in nearly 700 days in Georgetown. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was as good as you can make them look. Um, still a loss, obviously, but, you know, maybe Patrick Ewing will, will resign so they don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation. But Villanova is right there in that conversation now. And we are past the point, well past the point of, you know, this is a slow start. Wait till everyone gets back, gets gets situated. Um, let's just give them some time. This is who they are, uh, for better or worse. And it might be in part a little bit of Jay Wright knowing to get out at the right time uh, because this does not seem to be one of the better rosters that Villanova has had in a while, not really built well. We've talked about the point guard issues, but uh, yeah, this is this is not a team that I can really have any confidence in going forward. If you're losing to DePaul, and I mean, this is this is a moral loss to Georgetown. It's like if you're struggling against those teams, hard for me to to put much stock in you going up against the rest of the conference. Yeah, they will get Justin Moore back, I think. In the next couple of weeks, uh, he was practicing. I don't know what the deal is. Even he, like, he's obviously a great player, great offensive player. I don't know what yeah. he's going to be after that injury. That's the hu- that's a huge question mark, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean that's it's gonna it's gonna be automatic bitter bust. Um, yeah, and I I wouldn't be very confident in that because at this rate they'll be playing on the first day of the Big East tournament. Uh, I've got Wisconsin on there too. Um, I am not dancing on Wisconsin's grave just yet because I will not make that mistake, but I feel better about my doomsday prediction that they will win the big ton um, because like they're normally unwatchable, but somehow without Tyler wall, they are even more unwatchable. Um, Like they got punked by two of the worst vibes teams in the big 10 in Illinois and Indiana. Um, and like, if you have, if you have Jay Wright sitting there um, calling this version of Indiana, a potential final four contender, you as the opponent did something very wrong. Uh, <laughs> and they just like the first half it was very appropriate. Big 10 basketball, 21, 20 halftime, but Wisconsin is not a team that can come from any sort of deficit at this point. Like, they are they are a service academy football team. They have to suck you into their pace um, the whole time. And even in the Big Ten, most teams are good enough to avoid that in terms of hitting a couple jump shots. Um, like, if Tyler Wall doesn't come back soon, I don't really know what his prognosis is. Uh, 
Stephen Crawl had a couple good games, but if he's going to go up against the elite, elite bigs of the Big Ten, like Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson, any of those guys, he's going to get absolutely worked. Um, yeah. And Wisconsin offensively is in the same part of the Big Ten as Nebraska, Minnesota, and Northwestern. And if those are your offensive bedfellows, your team sucks. Uh, so – like they, I, I don't think they have a Johnny Davis walking through that door. Uh, his brother is certainly not having a Chris Murray like season um, yeah. to make up for his brother leaving. So maybe this is finally the year where Wisconsin is, is not a problem. Um, I wouldn't go that far, but maybe um, is they, they, they just, they have a lot of, a lot of question marks right now. Yeah. The offense is not good. It's not very watchable. Uh, 45 points, like you mentioned, against Indiana. No starter in double figures. Like, they they don't know where they, they get the offense from. And I I have no confidence in this team. I don't think – I think Northwestern's better. And I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I just feel like I can trust at least the Northwestern will go out there and score some points, whether it's 60 or not. I think Northwestern gets to 60 before Wisconsin does. Um, but yeah, they, they're, they're in for a rough little run here. If they can uh, steal any of these, Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois, Ohio State, maybe they can get things back on track. But like you mentioned, without Tyler Wall, they're pretty toothless offensively. Yeah, Northwestern is a better defensive team. So I'd, I'd lean, lean towards the Cats too. And before this three-game losing streak, uh, you know, Wisconsin's last win was an, a narrow three-point win over Minnesota. They probably should have lost too. Mm-hmm. They're very thankful that Ohio State found a way to actually lose a game to Minnesota, but that could have very easily been them. Um, yeah. It's like they they can only win rock fights at this point, yeah. uh, which isn't that different from a typical year, but most years there is at least, you know, maybe not as good as a – uh, Johnny Davis, but someone of that ilk who yeah. can generate offense need to be. Uh, you know, Chucky Upburn hasn't really been that guy. Uh, I know a lot of people within the program were hoping and praying that he would make that leap, but I mean, it's it's just a it's yeah. a team of of guys you're hoping can get hot on a particular night. It's not really don't really have a a go to guy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to continue like this for the uh, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't see it getting better. Uh, that's all the losers I have. Did you? Did you have anyone else? That's it for me. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll wrap it up then. Hope the vibes can can be a little bit better next week. But they were they were very low for quote unquote good teams this week. We will. Uh, We'll keep watching the basketball. Keep following us on Twitter, B Fox B Frank Show. Uh, check out B Frank's Twitter thread, as he said, of the uh, officiating in the Big East and some other splits as well. Um, and we will talk to you next week.